Hello, and welcome to Pursuit of Infinity. In this week's episode, we welcome Bill Letson to the show. In 1994, Bill had a profound near-death experience as a result of an illness related to his work as a firefighter. Since then, Bill has been traveling around the world and the internet, telling his story at conferences, events, and on podcasts. He's been a frequent presenter at the International Association for Near-Death Studies, and has put together some comprehensive material along with an upcoming book on NDEs. I really enjoyed this conversation. Bill is a very kind and open person who has an important message to share with the world, and it was truly a pleasure to sit down with him. But before we get to it, for all things Pursuit of Infinity, visit our website, pursuitofinfinity.com, where we have all of our episodes and links for everywhere you can follow us. If you like what we do, head on over there and show us some support. We also really appreciate a follow or a sub as well as a five-star rating and maybe even some kind words of encouragement in the form of a review. These things really help us to expand our reach and credibility, which is so much appreciated. If you're feeling extra magnanimous, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash pursuit of infinity, where you can donate as little as $2 a month to support what we do. Check us out on YouTube. The channel is up. All of our episodes are there. So if you prefer some visuals and to put some faces to the names, subscribe and keep up with us. We're also on Instagram at Pursuit of Infinity Pod. So give us a follow and reach out because we would love to hear from you. Again, all of this can be accessed at PursuitofInfinity.com. And without further delay, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoy this week's discussion. For everyone listening, you will have heard a short introduction to this week's guest, but for those watching, welcome to Pursuit of Infinity. I'm your host, Josh, and joining me today is our guest, Bill Letson. Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. So, Bill, you're most widely known for your fascinating near-death experience, uh, which led you down the path of spirituality and esoteric wisdom. Um, but let's get to know pre-NDE Bill. Uh, what was your life like before this journey unfolded? Oh, that's a good question. Um, like I, as you probably know, I was a firefighter, and that's uh, you know that's kind of a, a, gra a grounded person, um, been checked out by society, role model, all that stuff, tested every which way before you get in there, and so you know I was a, a pretty much of a walking the straight line in uh, society. And, you know, that included uh, things like talking about an NDE once it did happen. Um, you, don't, you, you don't go there generally. Um, and I've met lots of cops and firefighters and military guys who've all had the same experience where you just have to put it away. Um, so, yeah, I grew, grew up in this area, um, Central Coast, California. I was um, a surfer all my life. And that went into uh, being a wildland firefighter. I just fell in love with that. It's uh, just super exciting. And um, you know, I went to school. I went to Cal Poly, got a degree in forestry, and worked for the U.S. Forest Service. Did all those jobs, you know, helicopters, backcountry ranger. Um, 
all that kind of stuff, hotshot crews. And then I got on with Santa Barbara County Fire Department and, you know, went up through the ranks. And then all that, you know, that was all like um, technical stuff, like uh, high rise fires and hazmat and, um, you know, working with paramedics. So, yeah, it was a wonderful job. I loved every shift. I would have done it for free. Um, that thing with serving people, that thing that comes from uh, your heart just swelling when you uh, help an old guy out and uh, get him to the hospital. And, you know, like this one time this guy was watching the game and, you know, I got the game on for him at the hospital. And his wife was just so, I mean, those moments, that's what we're really doing here. Those moments where uh, your heart is filled with love for others. Um, that's, you know, that's the key to life, I think. So, yeah, I retired in uh, 2010, and we live on a few acres, and we're surrounded by water. we got all these ponds and lakes, and outside there's like a million geese right now and turkeys walking by and deer, and it's quiet here, and the wind blows, and it's a wonderful life. Sounds pretty ideal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, that was, that was me, and I was raised uh, Catholic. Um, but I realized, uh, you know, those big buildings are pretty empty and on Sundays there, um, you know, there's not a lot of spirituality going on. There's, there's a ritual going on and, um, but yeah, if I realized if you're going to hit the the spirituality, um, spot, it's going to be in nature. And I think that's why I was, you know, if I wasn't surfing, then I was working in the, uh, in the forest and stuff. And that's where um, that connection to the divine is. It's in the natural world. Um, so, yeah, the Catholic thing, it, it, it didn't work out. I was good at it, but it, it's not, you know, it's not for real. Yeah, yeah. So your, your near-death experience happened in 1994, correct, while you were on the job? Correct. Can you talk about that a bit and tell us the story? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, it was 1994, and I was working at Station 11 in Santa Barbara, Goleta area, and worked with a, a paramedic engine, uh, and I was a driver. And, you know, there was a, there was a flu epidemic going on, and uh, a, it was impacting us. It had been going on for a week or two. And we were running calls, and back then we didn't, you know, we didn't wear masks. We just went in and... Um, you know, took care of the patients and stuff there. I, I never put a mask on once in my career. Um, but we went to this one woman and she was very ill and she'd been cooped up, the windows shut, the drapes pulled, and she just kept getting iller and iller. And um, by the time we got in there, she was in deep, tr deep trouble. So we kind of jumped, jumped into action. The paramedic broke out his stuff and uh, I got a O2 mask on her, uh, high flow um, oxygen. And as I was climbing across the bed and, you know, getting her position to get the mask on her, uh, she exhaled right into my face and I was inhaling and I felt her breath go right down my lungs. Um, and I'm, I looked at the medic and I said, Oh man, that wasn't good. Um, cause she was really, you know, everything was wrong with her color, uh, her temperature, um, hydration, everything was, was off. Um, 
so anyway, in two two days later, I was super sick. Um, I got sick about the next day. It's like I'm getting sick, and two days later, I was dehydrated because you're uh, you know you're uh, throwing up, and it's also going the other way, and um, uh, it got it 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 was really powerful. Uh, there were colors of uh, phlegm and stuff that I'd never seen before. Um, so anyway, but uh, it, within that two days, uh, I got up that one that one morning. I was stumbling around. I was looking in the mirror, and I go, "Oh man, you don't you, something is wrong, seriously wrong." And my heartbeat was just going crazy. It was like one fifty, and it was all bent over, and um, and I I went to take my pulse at my wrist, uh, the radial pulse, and I couldn't get it. And I I know how to do that, and I kept trying and I was like okay I, I'm this is life-threatening because it, it had to be below 80 um my blood pressure you know 80 um systolic so I called my niece and I tried to talk it was just a whisper she recognized it was Uncle Billy and she you know it's five years old she's a smart kid she called 911 and got everybody rolling and the guys from station 22 came to my came to my house, uh, Santa Barbara County Fire. They picked me up. They got a couple of IVs started, high flow, and got me in an ambulance and uh, got me to a, a hospital in San Rey area. And when I came in, went into the hospital, it was full of people. They were all really ill. And they, this flu thing was really dominating the, the scene. Um, and I, they put me in a room. Um, they kept the IVs coming. Um, because that, that's what my issue was. I was severely dehydrated and the system couldn't keep up with the lack of volume, uh, fluid volume. Um, so the heart was beating super fast and um, the blood pressure was dropping out. And, you know, that's just, that's just a kind of a circling dra the drain scenario. Um, that's how we kind of go out, you know. So, um, I was, I was doing pretty good. You know, they gave me a couple of IVs and I was starting to clear up and I was feeling good. My wife was there by then and uh, a couple of, some guys from the fire department were there. And I'm, I'm saying, I'm telling her, you know, I need to get, I think I, we can get out of here. We get some kind of, uh, you know, antibiotics or something going and I, I can, we can get it from here. And I was sitting up and a nurse came in and said, uh, nope, you're not going anywhere. Everyone's getting the same thing. And she pushed a uh, synthetic morphine, a new bane, and she pushed something for nausea. I don't know what that was. And um, my wife said, you just, your eyes rolled back and you just fell straight back in the bed that you were climbing out of and uh, scared the heck out of everybody. And um, she went and, you know, got the doctor. He was overwhelmed. Um, the whole place was full of people, children and stuff that were very ill. And um, they came in and they Narcan me immediately. And, and sometimes people say that, you know, my near-death experience had something to do with the, uh, the um, opiates or the Nubane or the morphine. Um, but he, he Narcan, Narcan me immediately. And she said he did it again five minutes later. And then it was a third time. 
about 10 or 15 minutes after that, they Narcan you a third time. Um, and I know from my experience with that is, um, you know, we go into a, an overdose, a heroin overdose on a paramedic engine, and there'd be a, somebody that's, you know, lifeless. And we'd push Narcan on them, and they are up and swinging at us in, with, in within a minute. Um, it's the most remarkable thing how it goes in there and just crushes um, the effect of the opiates. So, yeah, I got a triple dose of that, and uh, they put me in the head down um, uh, position, you know, to keep the fluids towards the brain. And uh, she said they tried for a while to try to revive you and stuff. Your blood pressure had dropped all the way out. It was 40 over zero was the best they could get. And they rolled you up to intensive care, and, uh, you know, I was still functioning, and um, they told me later that it's probably because, you know, I was this big athlete. Uh, I did triathlons every weekend as a wacko. And so I was, uh, I had this really powerful um, ability uh, with perfusion. And what oxygen I was getting was getting, was getting pushed around and I was um, holding my own, uh, barely. Um, so yeah, they they put me there. I spent the night there, and sometime in the in the middle of the night is the best. This was about three thirty that I went into the three thirty in the afternoon. I went into the emergency room, and then uh, about it was one or two in the morning. Um, I left my body, and um, the only thing I remember, I was sitting up, cracking jokes with the guys there in the uh, emergency room. And then the next thing I knew, uh, I was flying through this this sea of stars, these um, beautiful colored stars that were all around. And they were, I was like I was parading through them, uh, kind of a slow uh, parading. And it was nothing but welcoming and uh, love and um, uh, it was it was a... Uh, a reunion. Um, it's like I was home. And the thing that I, the thing that I kept thinking, the first thing I thought as I was flying through those stars, it was like, oh my God, what was that? Meaning this life as Bill Letson. It's like, that was gnarly. <laughs> that was, and um, there's been nothing gnarly about my life. It's been a dream life um, compared to a lot of things people go through with, um, you know, home life and abuse, uh, drug abuse and things like that. I had none of that. Um, yeah, it's like a dream life. And, but that person that I was, was well aware that Bill Letson was something I was pretending to do. And, and it was, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough compared to what we really actually are that we are just this joy and uh, jubila jubilation and um, just this ecstatic existence, um, what we really are, where we really come from. So as I was, I was flying along and I, I kept thinking, how in the world did I forget who I really was? How was it that I believed I was this 
dude, you know, and he had this whole thing. He had a resume and a whole story and he had his likes and dislikes. Um, and he had this history of all these uh, relationships and associations and um, none of that. It was all like it was an illusion. It was a play. It was a a show, uh, a movie that I dropped into um, because none of those emotions followed. Um, it didn't have any complaints about anything or anybody. Um, it was, like I said, it was all a solutionary game that our lives really are. And I was flying along and I'm like, this is incredible. And these wonderful stars are just all around. And I, I'm home and I said, this is, I, I can do this forever. And then suddenly I landed somewhere. Uh, I landed in this place. It was like a facility. Uh, it had um, indirect lighting. There was equipment there and uh, tables and and there were beings there. Right in front of me were these three uh, short little hooded guys. They were they had these short little dumpy bodies, and um, they had a dark hood, and their faces were kind of uh, covered up here and there. But underneath, they had big, toothy smiles, and they had bright eyes. And they were bouncing around, and they were super excited to see me. Uh, and I was very confused. At all of a sudden, I'm looking at this. Um, this scene. And, you know, just a couple of years ago, I watched this movie Communion. And it was in that scene where Christopher Walken is in this like spaceship. I, I don't know what they're, what the story is there. But he's in this spaceship or something with these beings. And there's a lot of crazy things going on. And those, and there's three of them in this movie. These three short little dumpy guys um, with the, with the big smiles. They're in there, and they're kind of clowning around with him. They're dancing around with him and uh, giving him high fives and stuff like that. And that is exactly the vibe that um, that I was exactly the vibe that I was um, dealing with there with these three guys. Uh, they were giggling and they were asking me all kinds of questions, and one of them kind of leaned in close and he lo he looked at me. Uh, really closely, and then he turned to the other ones, and he goes, "He doesn't remember us." And they all giggled uh, wildly about that. And um, my answer was, "Well, I kind of remember you guys, but you know, I'm a little bit rocked here. I, I'm not sure what's what's going on all of a sudden." And um, they giggled around, and they uh, and they and they bounced around, and they were saying things like, "How was it? What can you tell us? What did you learn?" And it was one thing after another. And um, like I just come in off of a roller coaster and I got I was back at the landing and all my friends were there and they're waiting to ride the roller coaster or and they were interested in how was the roller coaster. And that's exactly what it felt like. They were all they were very excited and um, they were very happy. They're very playful, good natured um, guys. Um, and then there was this other guy and he was kind of in the background. And, uh, when he came forward and when he came by me, he was this tall, wispy guy. And, uh, he didn't, he, when he walked, he kind of separated and then pieces of him would catch back up. It was the strangest 
thing. He was like he was made out of liquid or vapor or smoke or something. And um, and his face was had the brightest smile. He had this big, like, incredibly enthusiastic smile, bright eyes. And when he came close, it was obvious he was in charge of everything. But he wasn't. He was not an authoritarian uh, type person, uh, type being. Nobody. I've never met anybody who was. And um, and when he came close, my chest expanded. It felt like it was going to burst, and my throat constricted like I was going to. It felt like I was going to break down in uncontrollable crying, uh, just tears, tears, tears of joy, uh, like a mother watching her child go to um, kindergarten for the first time. It just these uh, absolute emotion of love um, was coming from him and filling me, and uh, it, it was incredible, incredible love. Uh, and he came forward we kind of went back and forth and uh a little bit and and i'll be honest with you the feelings i got from him was like i was like a toddler and he was like a father and you know when you start looking at this the father the son the holy spirit when you start looking at these things you can see where this came from um because I was like a, a toddler, and then I was asking these questions, and I was trying to, you know, I don't know, do my thing. And he, he just kept chuckling, uh, and all I felt was love. And they were all amused by um, this, you know, human soul that had showed up. Um, and at one point, he said, uh, at one point, I said, well, I'm not going back there. That, that is for sure. Um, so do you, should we get on with a review of my life? I, I hear that's the next step. And he just laughed. Uh, he just chuckled from the bottom. <laughs> just, a, just a really deep, piercing laugh. And, uh, and he said, sure, we can do that. How do you want to start? And I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll take it from here. And I started talking about you know this and that. And um, they weren't listening. Uh, it it was obvious that I was the only one who didn't realize that this was a a show and tell, and it was a seed. And if I wanted to talk about it um, down here, then that would be you know back here in Earth, then um, then that was cool. Um, but if I didn't, that was cool too. Uh, but it was a it was a it was a um, a seed for to start some sort of questioning. Um, and yeah, they weren't listening, and they didn't care. And uh, they were the the, the little uh, hooded guys were just bouncing around and giggling with each other. And uh, he was laughing at them. And then he'd sometimes he'd be chuckling at me, and he'd shake his head and smile. And uh, then he just said, "Okay, time to go back." And I was like, "Go back?" I was like, "Dude, are you kidding me? I'm not going back. There's no way." And he's like, "Yeah, you're going back." And it was, I mean, it was, it was absolutely, they were in charge. I didn't have any free will. And, um, but it was cool about it. It just became obvious to me. He came forward. He says, okay, you're, we're going to 
go back. And I, I tried a couple of things. Uh, I told them my my wife and my parents would be the only people that would really be affected, and but they'll be okay. They're strong people. They will get over it. And um, he thought that was funny. And I tried a couple of other tricks, and he was like, okay, now you're going back. And he came came very close, and I felt it seemed like the whole place was like dematerializing, like it was breaking up and uh, like I was going to another channel. Um, and it's just started to evaporate and I felt this descending, I think it was a drop in frequency. And I do think that's what's going on here. We, we move through different dimensions uh, and it's all frequency based. It's all vibration. and you know, there's so many um, other realities all around us right here. We we don't have to travel anywhere. Uh, and I have this, you know, this kundalini thing that's very active now. And if I just sit still and sort of let go into the vibrations, uh, there's all kinds of uh, silhouettes moving in the room and uh, light figures. And it's very obvious that, uh, you know, we believe there's all this space around us and that we're alone in the universe or something, but we ain't, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a full house. And so anyway, he, he said, you know, it was, a, I continued to go back. The frequency dropped. He kind of just evaporated and I dropped away and I got back to this dark place near my body. And there was this feeling of loneliness and doom and a place you don't want to be. Uh, it's right next to where we are now. I was right near my body. And yeah, it's we got names for it here, but you don't want to hang out there. And once I got back in my body, um, you know, I was... Uh, still for a while, um, a few hours, I think, because it was around 4.30 or so, I started looking at the, um, I woke up and I could see the, I had all this equipment uh, all over me and I could see the blood pressure machine and it was going, you know, it was taking a blood pressure every 10 minutes or so and uh, it would post it. And so I was watching that for a couple of hours and it, it was really low. It was in the forties when I first looked at it and, you know, I'd, I'd be out again. I'd be awake for a few seconds or so, and then I'd be out again. And then I started waking up. I could stay awake longer and it was in the fifties and sixties and seventies. And then I, then I was like, okay, I'm, you know, pretty well conscious now. And, um, the nurse came by and, she was kind of startled and she, cause I'm like sitting up looking at her and she's like, you're up, you're awake. And, uh, I said, yeah, I need, I have to talk to you. And she said, I'm, I have to tell the doctor, you know, we didn't know what was going on with you. You, you've been our special project here. And, um, I said, okay, you can tell the doctor and that's great. But first, what am I doing back here? And I was kind of pissed. And, um, I was home. I was home with my best friends. Uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm back in this, this body. Uh, it's like a, I had to squeeze back into this banana peel, you know, and zip it up. 
and um, and and I, I I said I'm not stoked, you know. I I've, I verbalized it, and she said, "Honey, you were in escrow, and you fell out, and now you're back with us, and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get over that." And it, it was the best advice ever. You know, it was a, it's that advi- advice that you, you hear from the uh, yogis and stuff of, you know, once you have a spiritual uh, type event um, to uh, chop wood and carry water and get, get back in your life and do your daily stuff, chop wood, and carry water. You're here on a mission. You're here in this person to have experiences that you signed up for and, um, you know, give it your best shot. And that I, I got around to that. I, I was pretty sad for a few days, um, but I got around to that, and I was I was back in the game, because um, that, that's what this is. It it really is. It's a it's a wonderful gift. It's a game that we play, um, and that's what that movie, the game. That's what that's all about. Um, about how we, you know, we're supposed to get over our self, our physical world self, the illusion of self. And um, that's when all the, um, that's when you really start enjoying life. Yeah, so I was, I was, uh, was there for a day or, or so more. And then I was on the couch for, you know, four or five days. And uh, I, I came back to full strength, got back to work and told everybody, I told everyone, I said, this death thing, this is a joke. This is an illusion. We are the you know, we are having the hardest time uh, right now. And when we die, we slip out of this physical illusion, this this vessel that we are taking a joyride in and um, an emotional joyride. And uh, then we go home to, it's nothing but high vibrations, just like I said, just appreciation and um, and love and acceptance. All the all the low vibrational energies, uh, emotions, they don't live there. They stay here, and um, we drop them. So yeah, I told everybody, and after a few weeks, it became pretty obvious uh, that I was, you know, heading for the kook label, and so I um, I zipped it and I dummied up for about fifteen years. But I, you know, if uh, like one of the guys at work, they say, you know, one of the kids or something, they lose a parent and they would ask me, um, you know, tell me about that thing that happened to you. And I, I would tell them full, you know, people sought me out and quietly. And I would tell them there is nothing ever to worry about. We just, there is, there is no death. Um, I was still me. I still had my goofball sense of humor. I still had that voice in our head in, that all of us have um, that narrates our day, uh, tells us what we're going to do next. And that voice, it was still me. It was a seamless, flawless step out of the physical and I still existed. And I was absolutely aware of every detail of this roller coaster ride uh, that we call physical life. Um, and I tell him that. I say, you know, you didn't lose. You didn't lose anybody. Um, I know it's it's a gnarly thing we go through, but they simply slipped out of the physical and they've gone home. And 
they are, you know, it's, it's just a standing wave of euphoria. Um, they call it nirvana. I've used the word cosmic orgasm because uh, that's what it really felt like. It was like a standing wave of complete um, exhilaration, aliveness. Everything was alive. So, yeah, that's how it go. That's how it went for years, and then, then it, take, it took a little turn uh, around 2012. I'd like to go back a little bit to the experience itself. I have a bunch of questions, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, I love the analogy that you used of the roller coaster, as if you got off of the roller coaster and the beings that were around you were excited to hear how it was. So did it feel as if it was just your turn and they were going to have their turn at some point too? Or did it feel more like they were some sort of like, uh, like employees of whatever realm you were in? <laughs> Very good, Josh. Um, I, I said from the beginning, I said, I felt these guys were technicians. They were there to, um, you know, and this, this folds right into the, um, alien abduction thing. They're there to keep an eye on us, uh, to upgrade us. Uh, you know, we hear of these miraculous healings and stuff. <clears throat> the, we come into these places and they fill us up with, you know, energy from the other side, prana. And um, love is what it really is. And it heals everything. Um, so yeah, they were, they were employees and I don't, I don't know. Maybe I was like a nice guy or something like that. And, you know, I always talk to the dishwashers and the busboys and stuff whenever we go anywhere. And maybe that was it. They were like, hey, this guy's cool. And because they, it, there was no uh, distance at all. They, they liked me. And um, I could feel it immediately. So I've heard the, um, like the theory or the hypothesis of like um like a soul family like there are people that are in your life and souls that are connected to you in this realm and the astral that you sort of travel with so when you said that it sort of reminded me of like maybe these people are like connected to your soul in some particular way did you feel that way like did you feel that you knew them from somewhere or from eternity um not the short little guys but the um the tall wispy guy he's somewhere in the uh chain of command and you know i said earlier that he was like a father giggling at a toddler that was learning to walk around the house and uh, that is that's you know you hear people talk about all this love you know that they, they, um the creator or whatever put their arms around them during their experience and they feel all this love. And, and, and yeah, that's, that's what he is or this being is. And, you know, when you start to, I mentioned the father and son, the Holy spirit, there's one story, but there's also like the uh, physical world self, the soul, the higher self, um, you know, the id, the ego, the superego. Here, here on Earth, we're constantly trying to explain that this hierarchy, this chain of command, this thing that we are. I mean, we're all these. We're all these things, I think. 
So I, I'm, I don't know. Did I answer your question? I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. So was your sense of time changed? And did you have um, like vivid, more accurate senses? Um, there was, it seemed like, you know, people talk about like the periphery is um, wispy and um, foggy. You know, you see this in movies, like it's smoky uh, in the distance and stuff. And there's your, whatever your, is going on with you is very sharp. And, you know, I could see the wrinkles on the short guy's faces and stuff. Um, but as far as in that situation, is looking around the room and being able to draw equipment and stuff like that. Um, no, I, I, went, I didn't have that kind of detail. Um, and the time thing, you know, people have asked me that. I, if, if I would say it was 15 or 20 minutes I was there. But I don't know, you know, it, it was, I was out, my wife, you know, we were talking about this the other day and she said, you crashed around 3.30, 3.35, something like that. You went down and she goes, when do you think you were, she's all into this now because this, this last couple of videos have got millions of views, my goodness. And emails and comments um it, it's like this nde thing's going you know it, it's hitting its pace or something um but yeah she said that she assumed that i was out of my body right when that whole crash thing happened and then the rest of it was just recovering and I, and i looked at her and i said well i don't know you know i i just know that when i came back it was about 3 30 and it seemed like you know, I'd been back like an hour or so anyway, but I was out for, you know, 12 hours. So as, as far as what went on during that time, you know, I, I can tell you what went on, but I, I can't tell you, I can't give you a, an accounting by, you know, by time. Yeah. These experiences are often completely ineffable. Um, so you say that like as you were sort of coming back down into your body, you found yourself in like this dark and negative realm. Um, how do you make sense of that? Do you feel like that's sort of like close to where we are on this earth right now, close to where our physical bodies are? Is it somewhere that we can transcend to or go down into? Yeah, I got a couple of that's gonna like these. <laughs> They're, they, they, they're, they're out there. One of them's really out there. But um, so Edgar Casey, he's one of my favorites because everything he talks about makes sense. Everything. Um, so he said that he would leave his body and give readings. And he would do this thing where he would uh, sit quietly and put this concentration on the center of his, uh, of his forehead and um, sometimes he'd press his hands against it. And then he, the, the people that around him would say that he would go into REM sleep. He would go into with these vibrations. His eyes would be uh, blinking, just like you and I, when we go to sleep at night and we soul travel, you know, we go into REM sleep. Um, he could do it at will. And I'm doing things now where it's like, 
oh my goodness, you know, I, I'm, it's like I'm being vacuumed out. Um, I don't get there because, you know, when, when um, caution kicks in or fear kicks in, then the brakes, that applies the brakes. And you, you have to ha be fearless if you're going to do that out-of-body stuff. Um, so, but he was fearless. And he, when he pulled out of his body, he found himself a little dot of light outside his body and he could perceive his body. And he was in a place, as he described it, he was in a place that was dark, it was lonely, and it was, um, he was fearful. It was a fearful place, and he knew that he had to find the light uh, and follow the light to this, um, he would find a stairway, like a Jacob's Ladder type thing. And he would move on this stairway and um, he would go up several levels and he saw all these uh, hooded figures, um, just, you know, these short little hooded figures, just like I talked about. And he would go past them and they'd have dark robes on the lower floors and um, the robes would get lighter and lighter as he went up. And, and then he would visit the Akashic Records and he'd get, you know, if he was doing a uh, reading for Josh Leonard, he would go in there and announce to this old this old man who was keeping these records, um, you know, the, the subject is Josh Leonard, and then the book would open, and he'd read it, and then he'd go back, and then he'd um, give a reading. Uh, he would he was speaking through some higher version of himself because he would be asleep and he would never remember anything, um, but they had a stenographer who. That's why the, he, he's so amazing. They've got thousands of volumes of his readings. Um, but yeah, he was, a, he was asleep. He was in this REM state, and this higher version of him was talking, giving all this information. Um, but when he came out, he said he'd go up, he'd leave his body, and the first level was very scary things, like um, something you'd see in nightmares. And that's a quote just these wild uh, figures. And then he'd move into another level and he said they were um, less nightmarish, but they would have like a large, a big part of their body would be overemphasized. Like they'd have a huge head or they'd have these huge hands or whatever that was about, I, I don't know. And then he would move into this, these other levels and it would become more, um, you know, angelic as we know it. So, so taking that into consideration is that, you know, that's what he, that's what he saw and that's what he experienced. And it matched mine. It was the robed figures on this stairway is how he described it. And, um, and this very scary feeling when you first leave your body and then this sort of hell realm. And so my second story, which will really, a few years ago, it, these I got a call from these this English um, ambulance crew, and they worked out of a fire station. And they said, we don't know what happened on this call. And you're like the only guy we can talk to about it. They were rattled. And they said they went to, a, they, you know, they're in this small village in uh, the, the south of England, south of, south of uh, London. And uh, there was, a you know, a group of guys that were rowdy guys. They rode motorcycles. and through the town and they were, you know, people didn't like them. They were mean to people and 
responsible for probably 90% of the crime in the area. And um, so this guy was speeding along in his this leather jacket on uh, Raising Hell, and he crashed. And he was all wiped out, and they got called. And it's like, oh, it's this guy, you know, hope he doesn't wake up. And he was pretty out of it, and his life's um, signs were super low, and they worked on him as best they could. And they kept losing him, and, you know, they tried to bring him back with the defibrillator and all that. And it's like his, his injuries were too much. And so they covered him up, and they set him on the side of the road. They waited for the, um, you know, the morgue to come, and or the police department, you know, they're going to um, pronounce him and all this. And so they're sitting there and like 10 minutes have gone by and they worked on him for a long time. And then he was flatlined through all of it. And then he was sitting over there for about 10 minutes. And all of a sudden the sheet came off him. He sat up, screamed a blood curling scream. Um, I'm in hell. Help me, I'm in hell, and screamed again and fell back. And they're like, holy shit, you know? And they went and grabbed all their stuff. They put, hooked him up to the monitor and stuff, and he was still flatlined. And they gave him a couple more, you know, jolts with the defibrillator. And they were they were rattled. And um, so I told them everything I just told you, and I said, well, this, this guy didn't, he didn't live a, a kind life probably and um you know the energies the emotions that we hang with the most that is going to define us when we leave here and um you know he stepped right into that hell realm i'm guessing and he didn't have the vibration he didn't have you know we hear that angels are in their wings he didn't have the higher vibration to rise up out of this place so, you know, he's going to do a, another round there. Um, I think what happens, you know, because we are these uh, thought forms, I think what happens is we, we figure it out after a while and then, you know, and then we get back into whatever goes on on the other side and then we, you know, go another round. And we have that lesson. We have that. We get to remember, I ain't going to do that again. You know, I'm not going to ride through town and, and bust out uh, people's uh, property and stuff like that. I, I'm going to teach Sunday school. And I, that's what's going on. We're, we're here in this earth school, and we get to raise hell all we want and until we learn. that That's not, that's not the, the divine plan for us. So it seems that, like, this guy has, it's like all of us, really. We have like one foot in the divine door and then one foot in the physical realm here. Because if he can exist in kind of both at the same time, whereas like his astral body or his astral consciousness is affecting his physical body, something ties us to that. So like, what do you think tethers our consciousness to our body? Well, I think that... that um you know, you talk about that, the, the silver cord that comes out of the forehead. And I've, you know, I have a lot of things happening these days. And uh, I will see that when I'm uh, in a dream slash experience. I will see this. It looks like the bill of a hat just 
trailing off and think nothing of it. Um, so, and that, you know, at the time of death, that is uh, severed. Um, when it's final death, a lot of these near-death experiences, you're, you're just peeling away and you're, you're moving up, like I call it, the chain of command. You're moving up through the soul and the higher self and you're having all these experiences, but you're always going to go back to that form that you have a divine contract with. Um, divine contract, I think, is what the, the, my answer is when you, you say, what ties us here? And we want to fulfill our contract. Uh, I know that. I, we want to do good. Um, we're only here for a, a flash. We're only here for a few heartbeats. It seems like, you know, I'm pushing 70, and it seems like, um, you know, we're just here forever. But it's the whole thing with time, it really doesn't exist. And we're in this sort of linear construct. Um, but construct hologram but it um everything's really happening at the same time yeah, they call it maya or the the illusion in and uh, and i believe it's in buddhism right yeah yeah it's a it, it, it's a really good illusion i mean this is like a we're in like an amusement park and uh, we're having a thrill of a lifetime and and all of our ancestors they're all around us and they're all watching and um Thousands of souls are watching us all the time. Uh, what are our choices? What, are, what is our vibration? How much love is coming from your heart, you know, into the world? And you can't fake it. You know, politicians and lawyers, you know, they do a good job. And actors, they, they do a good job of faking it for us. But you can't fake it with, you know, who we really are, where we really come from. So that's the contract, right? The details of our contract uh, have to all do with love. The, the details of, I think, <laughs> the details of our contract is uh, we come in here and we're going to have three, four, five big moments. Um, let's say, you know, your, your father who didn't treat you very well through your whole life suddenly is very ill and he needs caretaker and he doesn't have any money. And uh, you move forward in from a place of love and you take care of him to the end of his life and and you mean it you know you know i love i love you dad i i know you made some mistakes but and you know that's that's a huge challenge that it may upset your family and make uh be a financial hardship but when you say no this is important i need you know to show this man i love him even if he never uh, was that way to me. And, um, I didn't experience that. My dad was, my dad was amazing. He was my best friend. Um, but most guys at the fire station, when you'd get quiet, you know, you'd be off on a fire line at night and they'd open up and most young men, they had a tough time with their dad, you know? So, yeah, and that's that's one of them. And, you know, there's times when you could do the right thing or you could do the a uh, willful and selfish thing uh, to where you're going to make a lot of money, you know, with this, uh, you know, kid, kid group that needs a new facility built or something like that. And you can cut yourself in on some big cash, or you can say, you know what, they don't have a lot of cash and these kids don't have uh, 
it's so good, you know, it's an orphanage or something like that. And you put your heart into it and you give them the best deal you can and and they take care of, take care of them. Um, Again, this whole thing with selfishness and willfulness, uh, that's usually the, um, the key. Um, You know, stepping away from the physical world self that never has enough always has to be right has to be first um you know this is this all this stuff about this illusionary self yeah for sure for sure um how has having this type of experience of dying and coming back and having such an amazing experience changed the way you feel about other people dying, whether it be random people or people that you love or have known in your life. Can, are you, you're going to edit this, right? Can I let this animal out, this cat? Oh, I mean, he's fine meowing the whole time. You know, I had a cat actually who, uh, who recently passed away and he used to jump up on the desk and go in front of the camera and hang out. So it's no problem. Okay. And I have a dog who barks all the time too. Oh yeah. I, this place is full of animals. Um, <laughs> Okay, so the question was, how do I feel about death and people passing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my my the way I look at it, and I've I've looked at it this way ever since my NDE, is uh, my job here is to, and Aram Das said this, is to um, walk those that we love, you know, help them home. Walk, you know, we're all walking each other home. Yeah, stay with them. Get. And, you know, I did, my mom passed away a year and a half ago or so. And, uh, you know, we, it was a horrible, uh, situation with family and, you know, addiction and greed and things like that. And they were just tearing her up. And, but my wife and I, we, we stood by her and I was with her every day for hours. We talk and we filled her room with, um, pictures of, uh, our youth. And she knew that we, absolutely loved her and that got her home she started relaxing and she sort of said it's it's time for me to go and uh she was you know she was perfectly fine but she said it's time for me to go and um a week later she was gone and what had happened was she was slowly you know she was losing one thing after another and the room was filling up with relatives uh and she'd always been um psychic and it got you know in her older age it got really powerful and she had all kinds of visions and they were it was cool for me because it was like you know she's living what i had an experience in she's living in it every day and she's seeing all kinds of little fairies and uh she described, you know, like a gargoyle thing. I go, you know, it's a, a face like a human, but it's got this body. And, and she says, it's right there on the couch. And uh, she'd have all the relatives would be in the room. And if I was there and if I, you know, dozed off uh, on the couch, you know, we'd be BSing for hours. And if I dozed off, when, I, when you're coming out of sleep, out of that, you know, that divine sweet spot between dreaming and waking and um and sleeping that is the connection to the divine and the room would be full of light forms just moving everywhere 
and it would be so much love. You know, I'd be my, like that time when I was with that being, my chest would be swelling and, and, uh, and I have this experience just coming out of sleep. And I'd say, mom, is, is, is your brother here? And she said, Oh, your brother's here. My two sisters are here. Mom and dad are over there. And I'm like, wow. Um, so yeah, that, that thing is, uh, is we're all going to die. And, you know, we're already dead actually, uh, because everything's happening at the same time. And, um, you know, it's just be kind. That's, that's what I've learned. Just be kind. Uh, cause we're all here to, we're all here to, to suffer. Um, suffer at law you know we're all going to lose all of our influence in the world you know if you got big corporations you're slowly going to be moved down to one property then you're going to be in one room then you're going to be in one chair or a bed it's going to happen to all of us i don't care who you are and you know just be kind be kind to everybody that's that is that is how we earn our wings we earn a higher vibration of love and we rise out of this place by our own deeds, our own thoughts. Do you think that people that don't adhere to that type of philosophy um, go to the same place that people that do? I think everybody's going to the same place. Uh, we're all, uh, you know, I, I sound like uh, some kind of guru or something, but uh you know, this is thousands of lives we're talking about. We're talking about 15, 20,000 lives. And, um, and we all are going to arrive the same place. We're all going to be successful. It's like we're being processed. Um, we got to get there on our own. You know, that's a, the whole thing with the matrix, you know. Um, Neo, uh, you know, is he the one? Is he the one? And Nobody would tell him. He he had to figure it out for himself. And, uh, you know, we have to get to that place where, um, where we just know. And, and there's this guy, his name is Michael Tamara. And he says that what we're doing is we're learning to die well. We're learning to leave the body without fear and navigate those realms that we, you and I were talking about earlier um, without any fear at all, just with grace. And, you know, that's most people, especially now, you know, we're at, we're at a really unconscious uh, time in the, um, the clock of the world. And a lot of people are going to be very surprised when they step out of here. And you and I talked about psychedelics. Psychedelics are a wonderful way to prepare yourself for um, a very bizarre place on the other side. N nothing can hurt you. Nothing can harm you. There's nothing ever to be fearful of. Um, but things look, uh, appear very dramatic. And, you know, that's what the, Tibetan Book of the Dead is all about. It, all those bardos, they're, it always says, fear not. You know, you'll see this and you'll see that. And there's wild faces and wild beings, um, but fear not. And 
that is the key. Is that's so funny you say that? I was just about to bring up the Tibetan Book of the Dead and on the Bardos, um, and it reminds me of um, the concept of samsara in Buddhism too. This endless rebirth, and uh, you know, you can transcend. You can also uh, descend. And I guess the point being uh, to achieve nirvana, which is to escape the entire circle uh, of samsara. And this really reminds me of that concept, what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I tell this story once. I, this probably isn't too crazy for you. But um, I tell this. Did you want to ask another question or do you want me to? Oh, no, please go on. Okay, so I tell this story, um, you know, I... Slowly over the last five years, I've opened up more and more and more in these uh, interviews or in these conferences, and I'll go further and further. And I've noticed I was at the um, Salt Lake City Ions, and I thought, and I told the guys when we were setting up, I said, "Man, you guys are going to throw me out of here because I'm going to I'm going to pull out all the stops." And um, they're like, "Go for it." And, you know, I can only throw you out of here once. And um, it was standing room only in this room. And the place they were, I'm looking at this audience and they're just like transfixed. And I'm like, wow, you know, the human beings that are actually asking these questions, they, they're hungry. They're, they're hungry for, you know, conclusions, explanations. They don't have to be right? They're just your best shot at what's going on here. And, you know, I just, I was there for like four days and I, people came up to me and they said, oh man, thank you so much when you talked about this, because this is something I've, this, it's been going through me and, and it's like, oh, great. And, um, but anyway, yeah, so I've been slowly opening up and the, the, one of the most amazing experience, uh, experiences I've had came a couple of years ago. And um, I was going to this place and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of the movies that are popular, uh, a lot of things that are in the media are telling us uh, that we are these divine, um, eternal beings. And there's nothing to worry about. You have to know what you're looking for and you have to be ready to, to hear it. And... So I was like, this was, I was going to include this and there's a lot of movies like the wizard of Oz and the adjustment bureau and, uh, it, the matrix and avatar. These, these movies are telling us who we really are. And, you know, I'm having all these, uh, experiences with this, um, pressure on my right side. And there's this, um, this, you know, if I just sit quietly, it only takes a couple, uh, less than a minute now. And the whole room will change. It just, it, it comes with all this like glitter in the room. And then there's these colors and then there's these forms, silhouettes moving around. And um, I can get there pretty fast. So I, I, so I'm like convinced that, you know, this is a good thing to talk about. So I'm, I'm stretching it and I'm thinking, well, maybe there is a, we've all heard these things that there's a, um, you know, elites or there's a, um, group out there, Illuminati, Freemasons, that are holding us all down. And what I started saying was, I think it's the exact opposite. When you're ready to see what they're telling you, it's obvious that the universe is nothing but pure love and connection. 
and appreciation. And, and we come into this place to get the crap scared out of us. Um, it's like we're in a spook house uh, that we're going to die and, you know, we're going to all these crazy things are going to happen to us, you know, um, and nothing ever happens. True. That's good. <laughs> Josh said you can bark. Yeah, it's no problem. He's a good boy. So good job, buddy. So, um, yeah, so all these crazy things are going to happen to us, and they really aren't. Uh, you know, we, we just sort of, I've had this a, a lot of times, we just sort of like peeling the back of a stamp off. We just sort of peel away, and we move in these other dimensions. We do it every night when we go to sleep. We, we all do it. it. It's not just the people like me that are talking about it. Um, we all do it. And we are all, we all are these divine beings that are having a, you know, a trip to the amusement park. And so, um, man, I'm sorry, I, I get rolling here. You're, you're so open to just letting it. Oh, okay. So I just remembered where I was going. So I was going to, I wasn't going to, you know, talk about this stuff. Uh, I, I'm kind of held back from it. And a lot of people don't talk about things like that. It, it's not, you know, you're overstepping yourself is perhaps. And I said, heck with it. Uh, you know, they're, they're telling us that we're these divine beings and everything is always fine. You, there's never any problems. And um, it's in the movies. It's in the, it's in the media. Um, you can see it if you're tuned into um, what they're trying to say. And, and so I was, I said, heck with it. I'm going to, I'm going to tackle this, you know, with, so I put a few slides in and I said just that, that, that I think it's the opposite. I think that, uh, they're telling us how, um, special we are and it's not that they're special. And, uh, there are stage managers here and, uh, they keep things, you know, the wars rolling and all that stuff. And there are um, stage hands. And, you know, those little um, guys in the robes and stuff, they're, we've had names for them forever. We've called them leprechauns and trolls and gnomes. And, you know, they're, they're keeping things, you know, for the individuals, they're keeping things, um, keeping the movie on script, on time. And yeah, so this and the stage managers are there too. And but I'm convinced that the universe is only it's only pure love and sweetness and kindness and forever. Um, can't get enough of it. So I said, yeah, I'm with you. Heck with it. So I and, and yeah, and if you, you know, there's like I said, this what I'm the messages I'm seeing. That's a smattering. It's a it's a it's an Easter egg hunt. You know, and what's really coming through the screens are telling people, you know, we all got to, we all got to uh, lock and load, you know, because the zombies are coming and, um, you know, people are buying it because those screens are incredibly powerful, the the visuals. Um, so anyway, I put in a few slides and I said, oh, heck with it, come what may. And I, ever since all this stuff started, I got up my bed outside uh, on the deck above the lake, you know, with all the animals that sleep out there and stuff. And uh, I look at the stars at night because 
you know, the NASA's telling us stories about stars, and it ain't, it's not the story I'm coming up with. Um, that is a divine environment up there. Uh, the things I see are crazy. And one of them was, I just, I just laid down, I was looking at the stars, and I said, oh, heck with it. I feel pretty good about this. You know, I'm going to step out into this realm, and, um, and I'm, I'm kind of putting my money where my mouth is. And uh, so anyway, I'm sitting there, and somewhere uh, something slipped, and the whole sky opened up. It just opened up, and there was this swirling clouds. And inside was this giant woman, and she was made of gold. She was all gold, and she was perfect. Um, she was beautiful, and all I heard was roaring. Her mouth was moving, and she had the biggest smile, and, her, and all I heard was this roaring. Um, the whole deck was shaking. The earth was shaking. The house was shaking. To, to me, and it was like lightning was thunder and lightning were everywhere. And um, and I'm looking up at her and I'm like, all right, this is this is pretty crazy, but I'm not going to blow this. Um, she's trying to say something to me. Her, her mouth was moving and all I heard was, like I said, roaring. And I looked right into her, her golden eyes. She had this very different golden eyes. And... She was absolutely stoked. She was absolutely overjoyed at something. And she was gesturing, you know, she was like reaching down towards me and gesturing behind her and um, like a welcoming thing. And I was like, this is, this is, this is the craziest thing. No one would ever believe this. And like I said, she was absolutely perfect. She was sensual. She was, uh, athletic build um, and she had this this clothing that was blowing in the wind but it was the clothing was also part of the clouds that were in this vision and you know you see these pictures you know in these churches in Europe you see them everywhere with these uh, you know these godly figures coming out of the clouds and looking down at us and you know that that's not a popular art form people actually saw those things um and that's what i saw and and then it just closed up and it was gone and it was complete silence and i figured all the dogs and cats were scared to death and the chickens were upset and and nobody'd heard anything they were all sleeping it was just me. Oh, and it ended with this incredible um, crack of lightning. And if you've ever been close to a lightning strike, like within 100 feet or so, you'll hear it. It'll, it'll like go, like it'll echo for like a long time, like a minute. And that's when that um, ended. That's what I heard. I heard like this crack of lightning, like you were right on top of it. And um, so, yeah, I sat there and I was looking at the sky and I was shaking my head. I said, oh, man, this is now I know why our ancestors called these beings gods, because there was absolutely. The power was absolutely overwhelming. It was 
complete power over uh, this realm, uh, our earth, our our bodies, our you know, our, our entire environment was completely. Uh, they are completely in control. <laughs> These wonderful beings, and um, and I, I I talked about being a firefighter. You know, you get out on these brush fires and sometimes you get out flanked and here comes 60, 80 foot flames and you're going to pull back into a safety zone or you're going to hunker down somewhere and it's going to blow over you. And it's just this roaring sound and the ground is shaking and you can't talk to the firefighters next to you because it's just really intense for uh, several minutes while it blows by. Um, and it would be the same as if you laid on the tracks and let a freight train just go over you. That sort of shaking, roaring power. And that is exactly what that felt like. Like this indisputable, incredible, infinite power. And um, so that that kind of that kind of told me, because I was thinking that all night, I was like, okay, I'm going to put together these slides and I'm going to venture out into this no man's land prohibited place. And, um, and I think she was stoked because it's like, dude, you overcame your fear. And, uh, this is something the world is going to wake up to, um, you know, over the next several dozen centuries, it's going to slowly wake up that we are these um, divine beings. We are these mini gods of sorts. And we're having a, a little experience here with uh, kind of a human, um, you know, doll, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me, um, Terrence McKenna has said, uh, nature loves courage. And uh, the most glorious of treasures will be uh, will be rewarded to the courageous. And wow. uh, Bill, I feel that you are one of those people. And I really, really appreciate uh, you telling us your story. And we're heading toward an hour here. And I would really, really love to continue this conversation at another point in time, have you on again. Would you be down to do that? Yeah, totally, man. You're cool. Fantastic. I love it. I really appreciate it. Um, if people want to contact you, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at bletson56 at gmail. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Uh, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Any more wisdom? Uh, you know, I think I've really gone over the top here. Maybe we can just let it set. All right, I'll say just one other thing. Um, so yeah, a couple of these videos have uh, have really taken off, and um, I'm getting all kinds of emails and stuff like that. And it's really obvious that there is a confused uh, populace out there that's suffering, uh, and they're um, you know they they kind of see that they're that the world is going a certain uh, place, and you came into this life to experience it, however that whatever that means. And um, just so you, there's never anything to fear. Um, you're you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be just fine. You're going to peel out of this place effortlessly. And, you know, it, you know people leave their bodies uh, 
hours and days before they actually uh, pass. And um, you're not here to have some horrible experience passing away, most likely. And you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. There's never anything to worry about. Uh, just be kind to others and um, take care of others. And you're going to really travel. Your soul's going to travel. I love your message, Bill. Thank you so much again. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. And I'll be in touch. Okay, cool. <laughs>